Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. We are coming to you from our top secret headquarters at Project Quantum Leap, but you can find us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fate's Wide Wheel. And please do us a favor by hitting the subscribe button on iTunes. So... What was, what was that? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, because yeah, like the green and the blue, mm-hmm. the checks and this everything. It did. It totally it's looked like perfect. So there you go, Christopher dropping the Dragon Ball Z knowledge. Which that, that game just came out, right? I, I bought it. You bought it. Okay. It's fucking phenomenal. It's crazy right. as shit too. I yeah. I you know I haven't. I God. I I, I saw it, but I haven't played it. So 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 that's interesting. That's it. obviously Quantum Leap. Prior to mm-hmm. Dragon Ball Z, at but least, that's the interesting you know, about time travel. It is, yes. Go back and forth, which I think you know we'll, we'll talk spoilers later because there is a very interesting little tidbit about an actor in this episode who pops up later in the series. But oh. yeah, oh okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll save that for later. We'll yeah, save that for later. Welcome everyone. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Fate's Wide Wheel. We are here, Project Quantum Leap, snowed under. And beautiful. We are snowed under that hum you hear in the background. We do apologize. That is the that is the heater running here at Project. Yes, it's cold as fuck outside. Right, it, yeah, it is. And and we've got uh, over a foot of snow oh, out God. on the ground, accumulated. Actually, there, not just mm-hmm. you know, it fell and yeah. So actually, away. yeah, we were going to record this two nights ago on Thursday yeah. night, three nights ago, and then we kind of made a last second call because we were going to get snowed in here if we. If we had done that, I was going to come by hood. <laughs> <laughs> fucking walk, I would have been here. Uh, so we have uh, Christopher back, guest starring. I'm back again. Yeah, thank you very much for joining us. I think he's uh, not tied with Jessica more than Jessica. I more episodes. Yeah, Jessica and I were talking about that actually last night. Yeah, because this has got to be like what your fifth, third. No, more than that, really. Fifth one, Double Identity, Color of Truth, Jimmy, So Help Me God. Holy shit. Yeah, right? For Troy. <laughs> oh. oh, she's going down, brother. They, just, yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they start to yeah. add up, you know, what can uh, you say? And so, uh, but postponing recording that uh, gave us an opportunity to put out on social media, like, hey, give us your... Give us your opinions on this episode, some tidbits. So we've got some great tidbits from people across. Yes. Uh, I think all three, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So we're going to bring those up. Oh, cool. Which we, yeah, we later on in the episode. Thank our listenership for. Um, yeah, it's been an interesting few weeks or so since we last recorded. Because we haven't recorded in a while. I was mm-hmm. out of town for a little bit there. And uh, we were able to keep the, the stream of episodes going just because we banked mm-hmm. some. But uh, yeah. this, is, this is our first the session. First one, first one back. Last week I guest recorded with another Quantum Leap podcast, Beckett to the Future. Beckett to the Future, which uh, so, is an awesome So name. that one will be coming out in about three weeks or so, so covering what price glory an episode that we've that we've covered on this podcast already. So are we going to do like a double dare style? <laughs> uh, we, we, you know, we did talk about it because they do theirs in an interesting order. Like instead of doing episode air date order, they they do theirs by the date that Sam leaps into. Oh, they're going to kick the shit out of us. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, but in a few weeks, we do happen to have an episode where our two shows overlap and that we're going to be running pretty much the same episode. Oh, 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 so so we're talking about trying to do a, 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 a big thing like basically it would be like the same episode airing across yeah, both, both. both podcasts if we yeah. can make that. So listeners, if we can make that work let out. us know what you think of that. Because uh, uh, this is actually going to be 
We had one other episode, I think, that we recorded on a Sunday and then released that Tuesday. Yeah. But, but usually we record a couple of weeks in advance. We bank quite a while. Yeah. But yeah but so this one, yeah. So uh, be fresh. That's right. Fresh. So when you when you were listening to this on Tuesday on whatever platform you listen, uh, feel free to you know hit us up. Let us know what you think of that idea. Hit up Back Into the Future as well. Uh, yeah. If you're not already listening to them, check them out. Because again, I think. Uh, you know, one of the cool things about their podcast, like Dennis was saying, is that they do it in chronological order. Uh, they can offer a different perspective um, on the episodes and based on, like, what's happening at times, you know, you see an episode within the context of uh, of our actual timeline as opposed to for Sam's sure. timeline. So, Well, I mean, it's also great, like, they've, uh, like, for example, they've done the first part of a trilogy that right. they won't cover the other two parts for a significant amount of time. Oh. Because, like, one episode takes place in the 50s, another episode takes place in the 60s, and the last episode takes place in the 70s. Thanks. And since they're doing theirs in chronological order, yeah, it's going to be a while before yeah. we get there. But anyways, but this week... Right, yes. Us, this episode, we, uh, <laughs> uh, we are Season 2, A Portrait for Troyan. A Portrait for Troyan. Yes, indeed. Uh... First piece of trivia, Troyan is actually the name of Donald Belisario and Deborah Pratt's daughter. Oh, She's wow. very active on Twitter. She has an interesting Twitter account. I checked it out, actually. Ooh, I'll have to remember to um, tag her when... Yeah, yeah, totally. She actually hates the name Troyan, though. Oh! Uh, oh. Uh, she, uh, yeah, apparently, um, the, you know, her mom showed her the episode at some point. And uh, yeah, in Matt's book here, yeah, and she was like, "Don't call me that." So I think her Facebook is a. She has a different. She goes by a different name. Than a Troy. different name. Okay, yeah, which is maybe, which is amazing. maybe, maybe. We uh, uh, but let's uh, let's jump in here. Let's start yeah. with the TV guide description. This week, Sam Scott Bakula appears as a Ghostbuster working for a widow mm. haunted by her husband's drowning. And before can Sam can say boo, he has to save her from drowning, too. Oh yeah, it rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> why, God, why? Oh, boy. Someone, oh, boy. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah. There we go. So it was directed by Michael Zinberg, uh, which he has directed other episodes. I don't have the exact episodes in front of me right now, but this isn't his first go-round. Uh, it was written by Scott Shepard and Donald Belisario from a story by John Hill and Scott Shepard. Uh, the original leap, or excuse me, air date, air date. Oh, where's my air date? I'm missing my air date. There it is, sorry. December 13th, 1989, and our leap date was February 7th, 1971. Uh, Sam has leapt into a Dr. Mintz, um, which the mirror image is actually Donald Belisario. Donald Belisario, the, um, the, which, the creator of the series. Which, again, I call him co-creator because I consider Deborah Pratt a co-creator pretty much just as much. Absolutely. And Deborah Pratt plays... Troyan. Troyan. Yeah. Question. They refer to him as a Ghostbuster. <laughs> when did Ghostbusters come out in uh, relation to this? To this 85? a few years before. Yeah, it was like 85, wasn't it? So it was maybe on VHS, so it was still pretty popular. Oh, it was still, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. the Ghostbusters 2 came out around this... Oh, this time I think, mm-hmm. uh, or was in heavy rotation on HBO at the time because I remember as a kid, like, yes, getting to watch it every other day. Because they call uh, him Ghostbuster, and I'm like paranormal investigator. But right. when did they start using that? I mean, I don't know. Well, and it is interesting because he's not so much a Ghostbuster as he is like an observer. Mm-hmm. He's not. He's he, like he's not even really there to exercise the ghost or get rid of the ghost so much as to just like 
prove the point that there is a ghost, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it is kind of interesting, the relationship, which we'll, we'll dive into, but... Um, so before we dive in, I want to ask, because yeah. uh, Christopher, you've never seen this episode before. No. Uh, Sam and I have seen the episode before. Before going in to rewatch the episode, Sam, what were your memories, <sighs> thoughts, you know, overall impressions of the episode? As, as I've mentioned, actually, in prior episodes, uh, even as, as, as last week's episode, for instance... Uh, I did not necessarily have the best memories of this particular episode. Oh. Uh, <laughs> like, like you recalled it well? I or... recalled it fairly well, okay. yes. Okay. I just did not remember it fondly. Those memories were not fond memories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that... Uh, uh, I lost my train of thought. I was going to say something else about it. But, um, yeah, this, this, the rewatch did not necessarily change a lot of that, to be honest with you. In fact, I think when, when I was originally discussing it and we were talking about like the the run of episodes that we got into in season two that I felt like it was sort of the sweet spot of season two this was the episode that started to derail that for me this is the episode where I was like oh well and then there's this one you know it's like oh we got this 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 and oh and then there's Troy so yeah that's where I am (laughs) see I have always liked this episode okay um, Why? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, well, let's well let's uh, let's dive into the plot of the episode. So Sam sure. jumps in. He's standing in a graveyard. Obviously, uh, he he turns around. There's there's a woman standing in the entrance in a, in a flowy gown. So first impression, like maybe even she's a ghost. Yeah, right. That's absolutely. exactly what yeah. I thought at first. I was like, oh, crap, uh-huh. he's about to get possessed. It's, and, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just gonna say it's interesting because even from that opening, there was something about it that made me think of like old Hammer horror films, mm-hmm. especially with like she's wearing this white dress, the wind, the storm, you know, all that sort of stuff. And sure, you could attribute it to numerous horror films beside that, but there was something about the atmosphere that they were trying to create with that gothic horror element um, that felt very akin to some of those old Hammer films, like, you know, like Horror of Dracula and Curse of Frankenstein and stuff. Even the Rasputin movie that they did with, with Christopher Lee, there, there was just something that felt like that. But but production-wise, throughout the episode, it just felt like they missed the mark a little bit. And part of that, I think, was just television production at the time. It's like it's too bright. It's too naturally lit. Uh-huh. They, 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 didn't, they didn't go all the way into that gothic horror element, and, and because of that, there are times when I just feel like the episode suffers, the atmosphere of the episode suffers. Mm. Um, See, I want to say the yeah. opposite, because to give minor spoilers away, uh, in tone, there's a similar episode in season five called Blood Moon. Mm. <laughs> where Sam leaps into either someone who is a vampire or he so badly wants to be a vampire like oh he, he he is fully embraced. You guys gotta say that yeah. for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's fully embraced himself in that world. Yeah. And by the time the fifth season come around the production values of the show had dropped because just budget cuts to keep the show on the air. So it was like where I felt like this episode was like more naturally lit. The house lived the house seemed very natural and lived in where Blood Moon, they are very much shooting on a set. Oh. And it just doesn't look yeah. great. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I, I, for some reason, I think that the, the open to me just felt a little cheesy as opposed to atmospheric. It was trying to be atmospheric and it didn't feel that way to me. Um, I mean, part of that is the narration. The narration doesn't help. Even the narration leading into the leap in. Sure. You know, which again, I even typed, please get here, Saga Cell, because it's, 
Yeah, I mean that 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 opening narration that Sam always gives. It, mm-hmm. In a way, as a fan of the show, it is kind of neat. But when you're watching the show and trying to be as subjective as we sometimes are, at least I am, you know, with like, is it good? Is it bad? Is it not? Is it, you know, it it doesn't it doesn't add anything in my opinion. So it's just kind of like, mm, all right, it's there. So it's raining. They're in a mausoleum. So yeah. So she, yeah, she takes cover of the mausoleum. He's like, now it's he, they had in mind. Voices are being heard. She's hearing voices. She thinks it's Julian's voice. Like they are the little recording. It's actually, Dean Stockwell's voice. But. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but the but the tracker, whatever the, the equipment yeah. device, it's called. It's it's obviously picks something up. She thinks it's Julian's voice, and then she has the the melodramatic line. How could that be? He's been dead. Yeah. For three years. Yeah. Oh, Deborah Pratt. Uh, what nationality is she? I just couldn't figure it out. I, I, be- I believe she has African American and Creole heritage. Oh my god, she's literally my grandmother. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Oh god. Oh. Okay. <laughs> hmm. um, but I, but I felt like I just I did. I felt like the opening was a little bit. A little bit hammy, honestly. You know, um, I think that fits the tone of the episode. I guess, I guess, but that's part of my problem with the first season episodes. That's another thing we should mention about this episode. This episode was produced as one of the first season episodes, along with What Price Gloria. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, in fact, if you even go on the NBC app to watch the episode, it actually is the last episode of the first season. It's not in the second season, which is also interesting because the leap out is into Kamikaze Kid. Oh, on the NBC I app. yeah. yeah. The- Kind of threw me off. Now I will say on NBC.com because I was watching it on my laptop. Yeah. It is included in the second season. Like that's episode, weird episode order. On but the, on the app, on the app maybe it's, it's different. Not. On the app, it's in the mm-hmm. first season. Yeah, yeah, but no. Yeah, but I remember because this specific one, like I got screen captures off of to post on our social oh, media, sure. and it was listed. Which let's take a quick order. moment to just give Dennis a hand. He is our social media guru guy. He does all the social media. I don't do any of it. <laughs> Every once in a while, I'll, I'll like post a comment, but usually I do it on my own personal account. I don't, I don't, you know, do it on the Fakes Why Wheel account. Dennis handles all that. He does an amazing job. So thank you, Dennis. Mm, no yes. Um, but there's also no oh boy. There's no oh boy moment, and it was weird because I just was like, I was like, man, if ever there was a great time to have an oh boy, this was it. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And there's like no oh boy. It's like, and but again, first season block, you know. But anyway, what I was gonna say is the first season stuff. Sometimes I feel like they sacrifice what could be, especially coming in a string of strong dramatic episodes that feel very grounded and very real, they sacrifice that tether to reality by choosing to go in that direction. And I understand what you're saying, but for me, it makes it difficult for me to like the episode. And I think that might be one of my biggest issues with the episode. And again, I'm not even disagreeing with you. I'm just saying that I'm watching the episode, I guess, from a different perspective. Sure. I know. Yeah. 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 So we get after the opening credits, and we get into back into the Claridge house, mm-hmm. which at first glance I thought maybe it was the same house as Back to the Future, Doc Brown's house. <laughs> it isn't, but it looked close enough. I was like, ah, oh, and I googled it, and like, no, no yeah, not not the same house. I just I couldn't help but think that talking about the exterior, definitely not the interior, but the exterior of the house. Yeah, and well, we get the stock footage of the rainstorm and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> I, I mental, I am, I am. Fairly confident, like they have like this close up of like clouds, thunder crash, lightning. I am ninety five percent sure that is the same stock footage that they use in the opening credits of Gilligan's Island. Really? Ah, 
You know what I got? That's the I thought it was the same stock footage as in the Highlander episode, right? The first movie, right before, not before, right after he cuts off somebody's head and he's about to get electrocuted. Oh man, no way! Is that when he the uh, Facile, the first one, when he's yeah. in the car, the parking garage? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's oh, what yeah. I, that's what it reminded me of. Interesting. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if it is or not, but that that is that it could be. I mean, who knows? I don't know. I, I I just I just all I could think is is as we're you know in the house and we're getting you know the first introduction of all the characters. Literally, what I typed was, "What is this Falcon Crest <laughs> crossed with dark shadows?" Yes, <laughs> yes, that's that's what it is. It it's, really is. It's been yeah. over probably thirty years since I've seen Falcon Crest. But. Well, you know. I just watched Dark Shadows a few weeks ago, so not the movie, mind you, but the actual. Are you talking show. about the early '90s NBC reboot no. or the? Oh, I'm talking about the original. Yeah. That that it's is on. Some, it's on Amazon Prime, which is amazing because that's like 1,200 episodes or some crazy shit. Well, like, it's weird. My mom used to fucking love that show. Yeah, yeah. My mom loved the reboot. Oh yeah, that they did in the early '90s. Yeah, yeah. It just it would only it had such a short run. It didn't get it didn't really get you know, alas. Alas. But, regardless, I, I dig Dark Shadows. I dig the whole, like, vibe of it. My mom mm-hmm. used to watch it. Like, she'd, you know, get home from school, and it was on, and she'd watch it. And, yeah. Anyway. Fantastic. Yeah. So, anyway, we get into the house. We're introduced to Miss Stoltz, played by Carolyn Seymour. Yes. Who I looked up. She got a special, like, credit uh, as a guest star, like, Carolyn <laughs> Seymour as Miss Stoltz. Yeah. So, I was trying to look up to see. Uh, by that point, she had a really established television career um she had been on magnum pi she had actually played various characters on matlock oh okay i was trying to figure out why specifically she got a special credit in in the episode there's believe it or not there's actually a structure for that that sag does and a lot of it has to do with how much they get paid Mm. So it may be that for whatever reason she was able to negotiate a slightly higher salary or something like that, and that's why she got it. Um, it doesn't. It has. It doesn't have anything to do with like she's amazing, and we're going to give her a special guest star or something. It actually has to do with how much they're getting paid. Got it. Yeah. See, because even as a kid watching this episode, I noticed that thing, and I was like, like trying to figure out like where else had she been into. Right to, to get that credit. But. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting too because looking at her uh, at her IMDb page, most of what she's done recently over the past ten years has been voiceover work, um, which I thought was awesome because the voiceover work she's done has been for Dragon Age and wow. Mass Effect video games, nice. which I love those games. So I was sort of like, oh yeah, I know I know that person. Keep an ear out for that. Yeah. yeah. So we're introduced to Miss Stoltz. We're introduced to the mirror image of Doctor. Mince, which is the the character that Sam has leaped into. Yep. The mirror image is Don Belisario. Indeed. And uh, Troyan is played by Deborah Pratt, if we haven't made that clear already. And Jimmy is played by Robert Torty, who I remember as Kate's boyfriend during the first season of the Drew Carey show. Which is one of those shows, it's kind of, it's fallen out of my memory now, but when it was on the air the first three or four seasons, I loved that show. A lot of people did. Yeah. It was a, the first three or four seasons, it was a really great show, and then it kind of became a victim of its own success. Drew's two best friends, Lewis and Oswald. There's a name for this TV trope, I can't remember it right now, but like when characters get dumber over the course of a TV oh, series yeah. because that's what's required to keep heightening their character. Right. I can't remember what the name of that trope is, but they 
totally fell victim to yeah. that. Because, like, the first season especially, Lewis and Oswald, they were just smartasses. They were just funny Midwest guys. And I really loved the show because, like, the banter between them and Drew reminded me a lot of me and my friends in high school. And then as the series progressed, Lewis and Oswald just got dumber and dumber. Yikes. Every season. Well, speaking of dumber and dumber, right. Jimmy. Jimmy. Oh, God. I'm sorry. He's terrible. He might be the worst, like, the worst guest actor. No, no. So are, are you He's judging him? Terrible. Are you judging him or are you judging his mullet? I was going to say. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was the which, first thing. Oh, which, so which, I, which I did look up because the mullet stuck out at me as maybe, uh, I can never think of the right word. Anachronistic? How do you say that word? Anachronistic, yes. Ana- an- anachronistic, because yes. it seemed too 80s for 1971. Totally, absolutely. But actually, I looked it up. The mullet started to become popular right about this time. Interesting. Oh. So Jimmy was actually kind of a trendsetter. He's a tr- and with those tight pants, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, cutting off the oxygen supply to the rest of his body. But, yeah, I mean, the mullet, the tight pants, the terrible line readings, like, I'm sorry. Like, uh, uh, and oh. he just had a punchable face. He did have a punchable but, yeah. face. And the other thing is, is like, you know, we'll get into this more later, but to think that he's like this electronic genius who's rigged up this entire thing. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I don't know. Also worthy oh. of note, the, the other thing that I've seen him in, in uh, this was uh, either late 90s or early 2000s, straight to video rendition of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat starring Donnie and Marie Osmond. No or maybe way. just Donnie Osmond, I'm not sure. Playing the Pharaoh. He was the Pharaoh King. Uh, any respect I have for Mother Boy is gone. <laughs> he also, but but I might be able to win it back for you because yeah. he did play Jesus in Reefer Madness the Music. Oh, there we go. <laughs> there right. we go. Back around. I just, yeah, I don't know. I couldn't, I just, I couldn't get into it. I He's one of the reasons I had a hard time with the episode, honestly. It was... <laughs> He's the only like I like to think that he's that way because he's supposed to be that way. Like you're supposed to look at him and be like I don't like you and I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know. There was something about this episode where it's just like, uh, and again, maybe it wasn't indeed some sort of creative vision, but a lot of the acting seems very wooden in this episode. Mm. Deborah Pratt's pretty wooden. (laughs) This dude's pretty wooden. I would think anything if Deborah Pratt, she was more melodramatic and over the top, which to me just, it fits the... It fits the tone of the episode. Yeah, but in a very wooden sort of way, especially mm-hmm. for the early scenes of the episode. You are not helping us if I decide to tag her on Twitter <laughs> and try to get her to listen to this episode. I know. She's a brilliant writer, and mm-hmm. she's a brilliant fucking producer, and she seems like a brilliant, amazing human being. And she's really I just cute in this episode. Yes, she's a gorgeous human being as well, but I just could not get behind her as an actor in this episode. Uh, I'm terrible. Everybody hates me. Sam, mm. I might... Okay, so I love horror movies, which is why with this episode, I was like, fuck yeah. yeah. But I'm with you on that. Okay. Because <laughs> there were times where I was like, really, bitch? Really? <laughs> really? 
<laughs> That'll be the quote that we throw up with the description for iTunes. Yeah. That episode in which Christopher says, really big, really big. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. We're well, should we jump in? Hate mail. <laughs> in instead, of, instead of doing our, our regular thing of sure. going thing, should we just like just quickly go through the plot of the episode yeah. and, then, and, then, and then get in the thoughts? So, uh, so basically, like overall, Troyan feels that the, that Julian is is haunting her. That he is not able to to move on. That's her why deceased she, husband. Her deceased yeah. husband. Yeah, that's why he drowned in the lake three years ago. And it turns out we find out later on in the episode she was posing for the latest illustration of her last book. He was in the canoe. He got bored or something. Started goofing around. The next thing. She knew he had fallen into the lake before she realized that yeah. something was wrong. It was too late, and she couldn't swim, so she couldn't do anything about it. Um, the painting she had thrown in the lake, but later on, Jimmy, Jimmy produces the painting, and he's upset. He thinks Dr. Mintz has something nefarious going on. Right. He, he, Jimmy, Jimmy stances that Dr. Mintz is trying to drive her mad. And he's a quack, himself, and, and so yeah, yeah. He, he's dug the painting out of the lake, and then later in the episode, Troy, and hearing Julian's voice, wanders up to his study, which has been locked for the last three years, and there's a ghastly painting of um, kind of a male-looking ghost figure. Yeah, I float- think made that better. Floating in the lake, yeah. Um, and there's also water, like someone like has right. been dragging water. And it's even around. coming down the painting. Yes, and it, you know, and that and that moment. The interesting thing about that particular moment is that it again, it, it it's one of those things where I feel like God, if they would maybe if they had a little more time mm. or a little bit more money or better lighting or whatever the case, it could have been truly actually like sort of creepy, ghastly moment. Instead, it just kind of looks like it looked like somebody. Took a spray bottle. Yes! And spray and okay. I was literally getting ready to say the same uh, thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, and then the, the the next scary thing that happens in the episode is... Um, the earthquake? Uh, uh, yes, an earthquake. Which is based on a real life... Yes. Not based on, it was. It was an actual earthquake mm-hmm. uh, that happened. Uh, the, the Silmar quake... In California, it was the worst. The San Fernando earthquake, yeah, yeah, worst recorded quake in the city's history. Um, heaviest death toll was in San Fernando Valley, epicenter of the jolting. Uh, yeah, six point five on the Richter scale. Mm-hmm. Epicenter was ten miles east of Newhall. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, there you go. But when Jimmy produces that particular painting that we just talked about, Sam and Al are having a conversation, and when Al says, "Yikes, that gives me the creeps." Jimmy can hear Al. Yeah. Which I actually, I actually typed, because uh, I was taking my notes on my iPad, I actually typed, Jimmy the Dullard can hear Al. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which makes sense. This is, because, because yeah. generally it's children. But we haven't gotten there yet. Well, sure, fine. We're going to get there soon. Yeah. So whatever. But but yeah, children, animals, and, you know, and people with, Lower IQ intellectual disabilities, yeah, yeah, handicap, can yeah. hear can hear Al. So I was like, oh yeah, of course, Jimmy yeah. can hear. But, but it is neat because this is the first time in the series, aside from the the kind of supernatural thing that happened in Color of Truth, this is the first time in the series where someone other than Sam can hear Al. Yeah, not counting animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, 
so that's an interesting tidbit. Sam also points out in that scene that we're describing that um, that somehow Dr. Mintz's equipment had picked up his leap-in. Yeah. And earlier in the episode, it's not confirmed, but it's very heavily implied that Mrs. Stoltz... Yes. That Mrs. Stoltz can see Al. Right. Mrs. Stoltz. She was the, like, housekeeper? She was yeah. the house. She was the housekeeper. Oh. Yeah. And that Sam was throwing shade at early in yeah. the episode. Yeah. You know. <laughs> to be fair, like, she was, she was, you know, she was a bit uh, uppity, I guess. I don't know what she, she was. Like, she was, <laughs> <laughs> that was like, I was watching that, and Nicole looked at me, and I was like, she's the kind of person who really needs to get laid. Like, she hasn't been laid in fucking... 20 years and you're just like God can I buy you a prostitute there's the quote for social media (laughs) Jimmy tight pants could have done her a favor I'm just saying yeah Yeah, for real Mm. come on man take one for the team Mm. which you know I will say speaking of the scene that you were just talking about where Sam's talking about it it picking up his leap in like as much as much as I might dislike this particular episode for various reasons uh, the the regulars, you know, Scott and Dean are great, and, and and Scott is like you can tell. There's certain moments in this episode where like he's really trying, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Like oh, he's really trying, <laughs> but like he's really trying to make the best of this. Mm-hmm. But I, but there's just something about it where it's just kind of like I think he knows but, this isn't. But great. there is something, especially in that scene that we're talking about. The reason why I have a hard time wrapping my head around this as a as a season that was filmed as part or an episode that was filmed as part of the first season is that. Uh, Sam and Al's relationship feels very lived in. Yes, I agree. Natural. Yeah. Uh, whereas I feel like a lot of other first season episodes, they were still finding their footing in that. But yeah. this just seems very tuned in. It really does. They feel very connected. I agree. And it's funny too, playing like Al's like you know he's he's the believer and Sam's the skeptic. You know, mm-hmm. it's like Al's our Mulder and Scott's sure. our Scully. You know, it's like yeah. And also in in this scene, uh, also he suggests like, hey. Just saved Troyan by taking her for a weekend to Vegas. Yeah, because yeah. because he had already dropped Get out of because here. he had dropped the fact because of what Doctor Mintz was saying in the waiting room that he got the impression that Doctor Mintz was in love with Troyan. Right. So let's go off to Vegas, and that's like I can't remember like how many mentions of Vegas this is, and something that I forget remembering the show. Just like Al loves Vegas. Al, hey, the first couple why of seasons right? he drops Vegas a lot. Yeah. I've actually never been. You've been, right? I have been. Oh God, I have been four times. Wow, Chris. Yeah, yeah. All right, right. seventy two hours. That's all you need to make. Yeah, I should go. I should go. One of these days, we'll go. All right, sounds great. Go without me. Turn twenty on black. (laughs) (laughs) Man, if I go, like you're more than welcome to come with me. Oh yeah, I'm just gonna be drunk all the time. Vegas is really a fantastic time, and anymore, it's it's such. uh, They try to be open to everyone. Yeah, you can go out there. You can be as family friendly as you want to be. You can be as debauched as you want to be. You can do it as you can do it as frugal as you want to, or you can do it as expensive. Yes, I remember at one point we had like. I had like a hundred and fifty dollar steak, oh, and then the next man. day I had like a three ninety five buffet. Oh, that sounds beautiful, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's a it's a great time. So anyway, uh, to to further progress the, the the plot of the episode as we're doing, yes. Mm-hmm. So that's when Jimmy has produced the the one painting that right. uh, the one creepy painting. Uh, they discover that Jimmy can hear Al. Um, I think the next spooky thing that pops up is um, 
the lake painting, there is a figure. Troyan sees a figure in the mausoleum, and that's what inspires her to go out to the mausoleum. That's when the earthquake uh, happens. That's where she uh, almost gets killed, and Sam runs out yes. and, and rescues her from there. There's a really nice scene there afterwards. Uh, we have an Indiana Jones reference dropped. Yeah. Uh, because during during the hubbub, as Sam is pulling out instead of calling him Dr. Mintz, calls him by his first name, which off the top of my head I can't remember yeah, right now. I had it in front of me and now I've lost um, it. But anyway, I, when they're recovering afterwards, Sam makes a comment like, Why do I have to play Indiana Jones? Timothy. To get, yeah, Timothy, why do I have to get you? Why do I have to play Indiana Jones to get you to call me by my first name? Yeah. Well, you know, and something else that I will say, like, not to, I'm not trying to flip flop here and take a complete 180, which, for the record, there's nothing wrong with flip flopping. Flip flopping is good. If you learn something new and you change sure. your mind, that's good. That's sure. healthy. That's growth. No more political discussion. But anyway, <laughs> uh, it, what I will say is that, um, like, there's a scene with Deborah Pratt shortly after this that is very different from the rest of what we get from Troyan slash Deborah Pratt from the episode. And it's really nice where she's kind of talking about how, you know, she's, she's talking about the, the, the writing of the books and the paintings and all. Oh yeah. They're out on the lake. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, man, like this, it, it felt so different from, from a lot of the rest of the episode. Uh, and it just felt more real and more honest to me than some of the other scenes, I think. Mm-hmm. Is this where she almost fainted into the lake while they were on the thing? Yeah. 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 That, because was, she... that was my really bitch moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you couldn't faint like five feet away on dry oh, land. Oh, sure. Right, right, right. Uh, and she fainted. She didn't faint into the like uh, raft or whatever they was on. She fainted right, yeah. right into the water. Yeah. I'm just yeah. like, ah, oh, come on. She was she was gonna go. Um, so yeah, we have that, and then the next, um, uh, I think the next like spooky thing that happens in the episode um, is, is she goes and she sees the painting again, and now instead of the, the like the the ghostly man, there's the woman floating next to her. Yeah, and that's what draws her. Uh, that's what, the, yeah, that's what uh, draws her back out to the lake. Yeah, but I do believe it's before this we're jumping all around here, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. Around. Yeah, we're jumping all around. We assume by this point you've probably seen this episode if you're God, if, if, so. if you're if you're this much into it. Um, a scene that I found really interesting is when Sam is digging around inside the the mausoleum. Oh yeah, after the earthquake, like he's trying to figure out like. Is this uh, where the, the necrophilia joke yeah, comes up? Yeah, this yeah. is where the necrophilia oh, joke yeah. comes up. Necrophilia joke. Uh, <laughs> and it was, I was just, I'd forgotten about that joke, and I was like, I think this, as a kid, this is where I learned what necrophilia was. Oh, God. I mean, thank you. I think it went right over my head. Thank honestly, you. But, yeah. Thank you, Quantum Leap. You know uh, how. But this is where Sam gets tipped off with, uh, like, he thinks that there is a, uh, if there's a logical explanation. It, it, it has something to do with, with with setting up some kind of complicated yeah. electronic system where you could have a voice that's only audible for certain people. And I, I interrupted you, Chris. Oh, um, you know how shitty of a person I am? Is that <laughs> how like, shitty are you? When Al says, 
I'm not into necrophilia. I looked at Nicole and said, oh my god, I finally found something sexual he's not into. Yeah. And then and Sam, Sam said, <laughs> and I was like, oh crap, I'm a terrible person. Uh, no. but, it, but, it, but it is that, you know, it's funny because there it is a very interesting moment and it, it, it's, I don't know. It, I, to me, I almost wonder if this is a symptom of having been a story that was developed by two different people and a screenplay that was then written by, you know, two people, one of whom was not even one of the people that developed the story because the script just feels, I don't know, there's there's something about it. It doesn't feel very deep in a lot of ways. Like, there are a couple of nice moments, but for the most part, it's very paint-by-numbers, and it's very, like... And this is one of those moments that just kind of feels like, oh, okay, we needed to have... We need to have some sort of moment of lev- levity where, you know... They failed. Yeah, yeah, because, like, even the way Sam, like, just kind of looks up and the look on his face, and it's like, oh, God, we found something he's not, you know, it's like... Mm, yeah. Yeah, okay. As far as a visual gag, though, uh, Al entering through the imaging chamber door on this one, because he just just enter, like, he peeks his head yeah. in. And throughout the series, they're not very creative with the imaging chamber door a lot of times. No. So There's a few I, episodes here and there, but for the yeah, most part, yeah. I did... I did appreciate that gag. Yeah. Uh, I will take that there to make a tangent. There is in one novel where there's something going wrong with the Ziggy in the imaging chamber door. And there's a very funny scene in one novel where the imaging chamber door is stuck maybe three ah. feet off the ground. So Al has to get on his hands and knees That's awesome. and army crawl That's out, awesome. <laughs> out through the imaging chamber door. You know, I, I and we've, we've hinted at this before, but with as much as we've talked a little bit about the novels, you know, you realize, you realize that we've set ourselves up now that we also have to cover the novels. Oh God, eventually. Yeah. All right. Um, so, I have so, them in storage somewhere. I, I have them all upstairs, actually. I yeah. bought the ones I didn't already have off of eBay as soon as we started the podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're going to get there. But anyway, uh, so yeah. I, I like that, that this scene has that visual gag. I do like the uh, necrophilia joke aside. I do like the interplay. Uh, and this is something that that I think it always just went over my head watching the episode before. In this scene, Sam totally raids and violates... Mm. A coffin, more than one inside right. inside one of the, the I don't know what you crypts. call them the crypts yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah inside one of the crypts yeah. to pull out because um, they show like because this this scene is interjumping with Troyan uh, finding another the, like the spooky painting with the woman yeah. in the lake and so it shows him like starting to tap into it and when we come back yes he has tapped into that crypt he has opened up into that coffin and he has pulled a recorder. Out of this person's coffin. Yeah. Which, you know, on one hand... Yeah. Which means... I mean, Jimmy. Jimmy's a bad guy. Let's yeah. just say, yeah. Jimmy's the bad Jimmy, guy. at some point, he had to violate the coffin... As well. Himself. Yeah. And oh, get the, but and, and get so the recorder in there. What you're saying is Mr. Million Dollar Mullet is into negative. <laughs> <laughs> that does not surprise me. Oh, yeah. Um, Lordy. So in that scene, we, we discover that's when... Uh, there that Jimmy, the electronic genius, which we deduced in the in the previous right. scene right after well, the earthquake where is, he's fixing the TV. Yeah. And he says he's gonna go off. He wants to go see the earthquake footage yeah. firsthand. He wants to be there in person to see all that. It's like that, what? What? That's yeah. so weird. Yeah. 
Um, but, it's, but we do get that expository line from from Troyan about how like Jimmy's an electronic genius; he can mm. fix anything. Yeah, that's like literally the line. I'm not even paraphrasing. That's that's, that, the, that's line. the line. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's setting it up. And this is um, and then at one point, like Sam has the the line of like it would take an electronic genius to do something like this. Yeah, it's like what <laughs> they're really come on. This is what I remember like. Plots of of TV shows in this time they weren't expected to be. <laughs> That's true. They weren't expected to be intricate or do uh, research. Kind, lots, kind, lots yeah, kind of, kind of spoon feed it in case you're tuning in yeah. in the middle of the episode. Uh, I will say, and this is something that Matt Dale puts out in his trivia book a lot, that Quantum Leap is guilty of throughout this series and a lot of episodes. It sets up a mystery and it gives you a limited amount of suspects. Oh yeah, totally. Like even- so, like so, like this episode, you have two people. You have Jimmy, mm-hmm. and you have Mrs. Stoltz. Yeah. Unless, like Al throws out, unless Troyan is gaslighting herself, or Doctor Mintz turns out to be the bad guy, right? Which, which, which is not unheard of. We will have episodes coming up where it turns out that. Sam has leapt into the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and going back real quick to the gaslighting thing, you know, it was one of the things that obviously, because it's been it, it's been such a buzzword. Mm-hmm. I feel like for the past few years, specifically. Um, yes. And, and so, and so, hearing that word coming from the show and hearing Al say it, you're just sort of like, oh yeah, right. And then naturally, my brain also went to the film, the obviously, uh, which yeah. is which is where the term originates from the play and, and, and its adaptations, but. Um, which that film is also very much kind of this not not quite as overt of a horror type film as as, as Portrait of Troyan is, but it still has those gothic horror kind of elements. Um, so it's you know you get you get two for the price of one there because mm-hmm. it's actually gaslighting and it's actually kind of a similar you know similar story in a way. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting to hear Al. I think, like I didn't really become aware of the term gaslight until you know when it became yes, more yeah, more, more known in the last few years. When I lived in Louisville, actually, I lived in a in a small suburb of Louisville called Jefferson Town. Every year, they had a gaslight festival. <laughs> that, that was their yearly fall festival, and I wish I'd known. There, there were so many jokes to be yeah, yeah. had. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Are you sure the gaslight festival is this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh man. The, the, but but the film. You know, one of the things that I will just to digress for a moment. The film um, stars Ingrid Bergman and Charles Boyer and um, Joseph Cotton. Uh, but the person in the film that made the biggest splash was actually an 18-year-old by the name of Angela Lansbury, who actually was nominated um, uh, for an Oscar for her performance in the film. Wow. Which brings me to tying it all together, because we were just talking about suspects, mm-hmm. as far as what Quantum Leap would give us. The fascinating thing is that that was fairly normal for a lot of television programs, where you would usually have a limited number of suspects in like a mystery-type program. Murder, She Wrote, however was not one of those shows because Murder, She Wrote would always have a very deep cast where you'd have like four or five different suspects in one episode. And, and you know, usually it was pretty easy to tell who yeah. actually was doing it. Yeah. But that said, at least you had multiple suspects. In this episode, yeah, like you're saying, you got you got like two people. Mm-hmm. Take that for what you want. But, <laughs> uh, so... So speaking of murder, murder she wrote. I'm going to come back around to that in mm-hmm. my defense of this episode mm-hmm. here in just a second. 
So we come back around, so Sam finds the recorder. Yes, there is a scientific explanation for this. Someone is obviously is. trying to gaslight Troyan. Device, and, frequency, and, some yeah, such. That's what and, I wrote. <laughs> and, yeah, and so Al makes the observation, uh, this thing, uh, uh, I can't remember exactly, I, I made the note because I wanted to make sure that I wanted to comment on it. Um, We'll edit this out later, or maybe not. Yeah, we won't. Um, Why not? We can take a little time here. Well, can I say the I can, scary but it may, part? Oh, go ahead. No, but, 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 but Al makes some reference to the fact that, okay, that the recorders are remote-controlled and gang-loaded. Um, yeah. Which meaning that if he set off that recorder, he may have set off any other recorder in the, yeah. that, that was... On the property, right? And at this point, we're intercutting back and forth. By this point, Julian has not Julian Troyan has yeah. made her way back the, out to, to the, the lake to try to yeah. to the dock to try to talk to Julian. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, well, I wanted to say um, for me because I'm used to like watching a lot. Of, you know, Sam, I watch a lot of cheesy horror movies. Yeah, man. The scariest part of this was when she was asleep. And she heard her husband's voice, and she saw the footprints, and I was on the edge of my seat, and then she saw the footprints go upstairs, and she's slowly walking upstairs, and then she saw the painting, and then I saw the painting, and I was like, oh, that's it, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it is interesting, too, because one of the things that I think, especially for, for like, you know, horror aficionados and, and whatnot, is that the, the episode, at the end of the episode in particular, there's, there's some fairly, like, gruesome... Images, yes, sure, but but I don't feel like they're utilized not at all in a way that provokes a scare. And it's like, oh, you could have done, you could have done a little more. They could have done instead. A I just feel like lot more. I feel a little unsettled, but not like, oh my god, you know. It's mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I agree with you though. You're like, right. The painting should have been a central theme in the whole thing. Like yeah. he should have been working on the painting and was gonna sell it and become rich. And then this horrible thing happened, so then he died without doing what he was supposed to do. See, you could have went a million ways with that, and then you get this painting, and you're just like, ah, it's a, it's a painting. There's a, <laughs> uh, there's yeah. A, uh, speaking of paintings, I will say out there, um, you know, the YouTube videos that they have, like, scary moments, proof yeah. of ghosts, whatever. I know a lot of them are fake and they're cheesy, but I love watching those sometimes. <laughs> and one I stumbled on lately, uh, the, the story of this one, it, it's a painting that a, uh, that a mentally disturbed person had, had supposedly done. And just the actual painting itself is very disturbing. Oh, man. Like, it's just like, a, it's almost like uh, like the, the, the Scream uh, portrait or painting, but it is it, it ju- it's just kind of unsettling. Just that in and of itself. Yeah. And the story is supposedly like this guy somehow he acquired this painting. He keeps it locked up in his attic. Once a year, he pulls it out. He will sit it somewhere in his house, and he will just set up a recorder to watch weird events happen. And like weird things will happen, like doors will open and shut. That's the awesome. painting will wow. get knocked over, and it's all stuff that could very easily be faked. Yes. Man. But it's yeah, it's, it's still, interesting. It's enough and, to, and just to look it up, just to see the look, just to see the painting itself, it is truly unsettling. Oh boy, ah, uh, <laughs> uh, boy. So anyway, uh, so we get to close to close to the end of the episode. Troyan is out on the dock. She's she's talking to to, to Julian and just mm-hmm. saying like, I, "Please talk to me. I'm taking your silence." Is saying goodbye. 
goodbye. And this is when Jimmy shows up out of nowhere. Yeah. And and he just does an info dump. He's he, Jimmy like, Exposition. Yeah. J- yeah. He's, he's been Jimmy Exposition for most he, of the episode. He, explain, he explains all of his intentions. He's blown a bunch of her money. Some bad guys out in Vegas. By the way, uh, they're coming after him. Lazy. Oh, yeah. That's just lazy as fuck. It was Are, and again and again. I'm not blaming the actor. I'm really not. But just the whole thing was painful. But what it's like better? I got some guys been? in Vegas that I owe money to, sis, and I have to kill you now. Wouldn't it have been better if he would have been like, "You're rich. Uh, I don't want to split this inheritance. Fuck you, die." I mean, anything anything other than the way that we got the information just dumped on us at this particular moment would have been preferable, to be honest. And this is the thing, it's like looking back, because I probably haven't watched this episode in over 15, 20 years. Same here. And, and, and watching the episode, I was like, it, it jumped out at me, like, how weird it was, like, oh, like, we do find out the bad guy's intentions and just, like, mm-hmm. like his motivations and everything in, in a, in a two-minute info a tirade. Dump. Yeah, tirade. <laughs> yeah. And, uh... And someone pointed out, uh, I'm going to pull up the, the comment here, is when I asked about this online, uh, uh, Rosen, or Rosen, I, w- I want to say, uh, she's in the... Oh, f- yeah, she's been, the, she's been super yeah, awesome, yeah, actually. Yeah. Uh, but but she pointed that. out that we, yeah, one of her problems with this episode was like, if Jimmy is so bold that he can just come right out and say, this is why I need to kill you, yeah, why not just kill her? Right? I think. Yeah, no, I know, I know. She made another comment, I think, that I even replied to that I was just sort of like, yeah, I, I, I get exactly where you're coming from on that. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, Jimmy is just, I don't know, he's, he's so functional. And, and again, the character even comes off that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, even in, But the, the, the problem that I have is even when he's not necessarily serving the function of being the bad guy, even when he has those moments with Sam in particular where he's trying to be like, you're a quack trying to you know, drive my sister crazy, or you're, you know, whatever, you're a bad influence, it, I don't know, it just does not, it doesn't feel good. Yeah, but here's, <laughs> but, but to bring it back around to Murder, She Wrote, yeah. the reason why I've never really had a problem with this episode, even watching it now, is like, I feel like this was a lot of plots of, of whodunits on television, in the, in the time of however it comes out in the end and the last couple of minutes, whether it's uh, this situation here or Jessica Fletcher revealing that they're the killer, they always end up having this two-minute monologue where they explain why they did it. Yeah, but I guess the, the, the difference, the, I guess the difference there is is that the, the stakes feel a little bit more heightened and maybe that's one of my big issues with this episode that as... It's all flash and no substance, and I and I feel like the only time that we get any substance is you know the 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 one scene with um, Troy and Sam when they're in the kind of like the library and she has mm-hmm. that moment where she's talking to him and and that's a really good scene. But other than that, it just feels like even the scenes between Sam and Al, which are well done because Scott and Dean like get it at this point, and I feel like their relationship is is tighter, like you were saying earlier, Dennis, I still kind of feel like they're throwaways to the point where I just watched this episode the other night and there's a part of me that's just kind of like, uh, it's it's kind of forgettable and I'm glad that's forgettable. It's not, because I remember, you know, most of it, unfortunately. <laughs> I just, I don't. I think I, in some ways I would genuinely throw this out there as being the first truly bad episode. Even more so than the Americanization of Magico, because at least that episode, like, 
the performance. Tried for something? Yeah. <laughs> it failed, but at yeah. least <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know? And again, I felt like that episode was wrong because it was more of an episode that happened to Sam as for opposed sure. to Sam yeah. to it. But this episode just kind of feels like it's, it's, it's your mission episode. Sam has to save somebody's life. You know, he's got to figure out what's going on here, make sure she doesn't die. Uh, but it just, it just, I don't know. I, I just, I, 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 I don't, I don't like it. Yeah. In fact, at one point I literally wrote, is this intentionally bad? Like parody? Am I not getting it? No. <laughs> Although there is one moment that I really do like that that's okay. So as we mentioned earlier, Dean Stockwell provides the voice of Julian uh, mm-hmm. speaking to, to Troy. Yes. That's his whispery, raspy voice the whole time. So at the end of the episode, when he's out on the dock with her, like trying to tell her to, to step back and, you know, and all this sort of stuff, there's a moment where he's like, he's like, you know, Gushy, Gushy, center me on Sam. I love this moment. Yes. <laughs> It is such a great... Actually, I mean, I, I, this is only like the... Not this is only the second time in the series where where we see Al have Ziggy center him somewhere else to kind of do recon. To move him around. The only yeah. other time was yeah. with uh, Miss Melanie in The Color of Truth. Oh, yeah, right. Right. We sit in the car with her. God, that's a great scene. Yeah. Ah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so this is like... I think that like the first time in the series, like after that, like where we see Al like stepping away to do, right. to do recon... Away, so yeah, this is a really great moment where he's talking to he's talking to Troy, and, and then all of a sudden, yeah, he's like, "Gushy, gushy, center me on Sam." And, they, and at this point, Sam is running towards them yeah, anyway, so he just jumps ten feet, <laughs> yeah. and, and he has just long enough to go like, "What?" The what? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, it, that to me, that's the best moment of the whole episode. I it that. was yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, and, and again, there are there are those moments, and I and I I am I am being, I will admit. There's no doubt about it being very critical of the episode, but I think part of that just has to do with the fact that we've we've had such a string of really good episodes, and even episodes that we might like catch a falling star where we were sort of like, ooh, Sam's a little icky in this episode. It's still a good episode, mm-hmm. and so to have such a weak episode, in my opinion, um, it, it, it it it's more glaring than I think if it had been. Like, if this had been the follow-up to Americanization of Magico, I might be like, man, what a great episode! Sure, yeah. <laughs> but, but because it's coming after this string of really strong episodes, there's a part of me that's sort of like, eh. Sometimes you just need a fluff episode. Yes. Yeah, yes. Uh, you, you get that less and less these days, and part mm-hmm. of that has to do with the fact that we are we are moving further and further towards the 13-episode season, mm-hmm. which gives the writers, actors, directors more time to really kind of like own in on what they really want to do. Plot, you know, yeah. between Netflix and HBO, you know, we we get that now. You don't have to have 24 episodes, mm-hmm. and, and, and you know, you're not going to get as many stickers. Which I prefer, but... Even though, like, because, like, right now, I'm currently, I am watching Twilight Zone from the beginning mm. on Netflix. Mm-hmm. The wow. first season had 35 episodes. Yeah, Jesus man. Christ. They're not all going to be winners. And so even watching those, like, I watch a really strong episode, and then we watch another one, like, ah, oh, that's, where it's not, like, necessarily fluff. Right. But it's, like, you can tell, like, the, the writing was wasn't good, it wasn't owned in as much. Three, and there's an episode that's a musical 
And what? I wanted to like throw my TV. I wanted to throw yeah. my remote at the TV. Well, because Grant Gustin's like a really good singer. Like he's done musical theater and stuff like that. So I guess yeah. it makes sense that they would have a musical episode. But it makes no sense in the overall arc and plot of it. No, no. Uh, yeah. It's, it's basically um, saying we need to throw an episode. Yeah. Speaking of which, I want to give a quick shout out to the Twilight Zone podcast. It's the twilightzonepodcast.com. Again, the Twilight Zone podcast. It's a great podcast. I really, really love that podcast. I feel like it's just, it's very well done. If you're interested at all in the Twilight Zone, and check am. that mm-hmm. podcast out. Uh, he has he has episodes that are focused on specific episodes, obviously. He also does episodes, though, that are focused on, you know, writers or directors or even Rod Serling, and they're fascinating. And there's one episode that he actually has an interview with Rod Serling, and it's great because he, you know, he does, he plays the interview, but then he also drops in some comments along the way, especially before and after, and it's fascinating because the interview took place right before Twilight Zone aired, like started airing, and so it's really cool because, you know, he's speaking like 60 years after the fact, the, 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 oh. the um, podcaster whose name yeah. I can't think of, the host, thank you. Uh, but it's really interesting to hear some of the comments he makes and then to hear the interview and then hear, you know, further commentary on it. But it's a really well done podcast, very compact not like ours. He's usually like, you know, 30 minutes. Sure. <laughs> sure. But, but yeah, it's great. So, so shout out to the Twilight Zone podcast. Uh, check it out if, if you're interested at all in Twilight Zone. Shout out to the Twilight Zone. Oh, oh God. Such a good that, that's a th- It's like rewatching it. Like, you know, I, I suffer from, from anxiety and social anxiety and from yeah. like looking at my Facebook newsfeed, I can tell like a lot of people do. And sometimes I wonder just because of, you know technology and social media and other stuff, like if that is something that is very unique to like you know, m- m- millennials or, or, or late generation baby boomers, like like not baby boomers, Gen uh, Xers, Gen Xers, yeah. like like I am or yeah. or whatever they call the the new generation after the millennials. Uh, and so sometimes I wonder if like like if we are just getting more anxious as a society because of j- yeah. just everything that is going on. And then I watched episodes of The Twilight Zone. And, you know, sometimes the, the the acting is overwrought. Sometimes the writing is a little bit clunky because they're trying to squeeze a high-concept sure. uh, plot into 22 minutes of television. Uh, but just them, like, nailing, like, the allegory and metaphor of just the anxiety that people were feeling then. And I'm like, nope, there is nothing unique about me and my anxiety yeah. right now. People have been feeling you know, this. Forever. And, and the flip side of that is, is that there are times when those, you know, like, 27 minutes, because commercials were different back then, that those 27 minutes are gold, and the actors are incredible, and everything just comes together in such a perfect way, and, um, you know, the the cast, obviously, you look back at some of the names of the people that were in those episodes, and then later wanted to do other things, and there's some great episodes. One of my favorite episodes is always going to be uh, this episode called Two, which is uh, actually, it's, it's just two characters, it's Charles Bronson and Elizabeth Montgomery. Wow. Uh, and they're the only two characters in it. And uh, it's basically this post-nuclear holocaust world. And they're, as far as they know, they're the only two survivors. She is... It's thinly veiled, but I'm just going to come out and say it. She's a Russian, he's an American, and they're all that's left. Uh, and it's just brilliant. And I love that episode so much. It's 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 one of the high points of the series, honestly. To make a, a bewitch connection, I watched yeah. one the other day yeah. with Dick York, uh-huh. who played the first Darren right. on Bewitched. 
And it was set in, I want to say, World War II. Okay. And strangely enough, he gave off a Jake Gyllenhaal vibe in that episode. I didn't think that was possible because he usually, uh, on Bewitched, there was either another episode of The Twilight Zone that he he guest started. He gives off a very wimpy, milquetoast character. Yeah. And, like, he gave off a very different vibe. As a soldier in that episode, I was like, ah, oh, that's, it, that's weird. Yeah, it's interesting to seeing some of the actors in those episodes, because you're right, they do, they often... It, it, I, I feel like some of the actors that are in those episodes, we know from other things, and so our expectations are Bill Shatner is Captain Kirk, mm-hmm. Charles Bronson is Death Wish, you yes. know, all this sort of stuff. But the truth is, is when you see them in the context of their Twilight Zone episodes, it kind of reminds you, it's like, no, they're actors, yeah. mm-hmm. and they're damn good. Uh-huh. And that's the thing about Bronson in particular, it's like seeing him in this episode, it's just sort of like, man, he's so good in this. And there are other things that I've seen him in as well, where he's equally like Once Upon a Time in the West, or whatever, mm-hmm. um, but but yeah, I mean, God, we could uh, we could do another podcast about just Twilight on that. Zone. Anyway, uh, but back to Quantum Leap. You know, it's, it's appropriate. <laughs> there is a Twilight Zone reference in this episode where where, where Sam teases Mrs. Stoltz that uh, that she, does she like does she unwind by watching episodes of the Twilight that's Zone? Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So let's talk about Mrs. Stoltz first. Okay. Second. So we'll come right. Yeah. So to because we're on. getting towards the end of the episode. Actually, I'm sorry. Before we talk about Mrs. Stoltz, let's go ahead and get to the end because we're almost there. So uh, so. Uh, so yeah, they both. Oh yeah, so Jimmy throws Troy in into the lake. Yep. Sam tackles. She can't Jimmy. swim, by the way. She can't a swim. Huge thing that we learned earlier on. She can't yeah. swim. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is why she didn't try to save Julian. 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 Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sam tackles Jimmy into oh, the lake. By the way, with that tackle, his form was off. <laughs> <laughs> Rap. Yeah. <laughs> Rapid complete. <laughs> anyway, uh, and so Sam go. He saves Troy with a with an assist from Al. This is also, I think, one of the the few occasions where, or one of the first occasions in the series where, like, Sam is able, or not uh, Sam, but Al is able to hone in and locate like a specific oh, person yeah, because he makes reference like like she like she she's is. ten feet over that way, eight feet eight down. down, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so and the hand link, you know, it's interesting too because I, this is obviously not the first time we see the hand link, but considering that it was part of the first season production block and he's got the hand link, which is very much the second season hand link. Yeah. You know, it, it, that was another thing that I kind of noted was as I was watching the episode. It's like, oh, he's got the hand link. Yeah. You know. Oh, and no, most importantly, right before Jimmy throws Troy into the lake, there's another small aftershake, a tremor. That's right. And that shakes bodies off the, bodies. Off, yeah. off the lake. Would off you, the bottom of the lake. Like I was saying earlier, Chris, like that's one of those moments where you feel like, man, that could have really been played for like a shock. And here's the great thing. Here's what I would have done. After uh, Sam tackles uh, Magnificent Mullet into the fucking lake. <laughs> Magnificent right? Mullet. And the earthquake happens. There should have been something cool where the bodies come up and drag his ass down mm. and then help trying up. Ooh. See that would have been. Yeah. Fun. I would have stood up and applied. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then the bias just came up, and I was like, "Oh, that's fucking gruesome." Right? That would have right. been. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So anyway, so Sam uh, saves Troy. Sam saves Troy, and then we cut to. But, but Jimmy is. Jim, yeah, Jimmy. Jimmy's gone. Just assume he's drowned. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so we get this weird after scene where, like, taking notes. I'm like, there's like did, four new characters that yeah, pop up. I'm like, 
did did the did the police, the ambulance, and the historical society all show up at the same time? Yeah. I'm gonna say yes. And it's weird <laughs> to me because it's like for, we've had we've had what is what could have been. It's not, but what could have been considered kind of like a bottle episode with a limited number of characters and a limited sure. setting, and now all of a sudden we got like four or five new characters just popping up, mm-hmm. you know? It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's extra day in the Universal lot. I don't know. <laughs> uh, speaking of, for, for a trivia note, there is uh, there is a blooper video out there. It was part of, mm-hmm. like, one of a primetime show. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this final scene, when, when Sam is, is looking down at, at Julian's body... Uh, and taking in that that this is Julian's body and that his body had been preserved all that time, he's he's, he's you know he's he's looking, he's trying to be very serious. Meanwhile, a tour of Universal Studios on oh, buses yeah. goes by in the background, and like it's a shot of just like Scott Bakula standing there trying to look very very stoic and, and taking this in, and these tour buses that are totally do not fit in with the scene <laughs> just pass by him oh in the background and him just slowly just like I can't I'm gonna stay they're not saying cut I'm gonna stay I can't and he just cracks up yeah laughing <laughs> clearly we're not using this yeah yeah uh, but yeah the, and then we get the you know we get the information about uh, the how many generations basically of Claridges that have been brought up by the earthquake and, and they all bodies are yeah. all super well preserved and they had all died right? violent deaths and we they lost over that earlier yeah right and uh, and that and that it all stems from the fact that Nathaniel Claridge's wife apparently found out that he was having an affair with the uh, maid mm-hmm. and that that was what started the whole started off, or whatever yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so there's this moment where they're, you know, she has to identify the body and, you know, Sam's trying to be like, oh, you know, Mm -hmm. it's going to be okay. And Troy's like, I can do this. And so they identify the body. And as they're identifying the body, the historian is telling them, you know, the whole story. Yeah. And then then they make a reference, like, come up, I'll have Miss Stoltz make some tea. And the historian, Mrs. Little, she's like, oh, uh, Mrs. Stoltz, like, like Nathaniel Hawthorne's original... Uh, the wife, maiden name. Her maiden name was Stoltz. Mennonite, Priscilla. I believe, which they make reference yeah, earlier. Right, yes. Stoltz is probably Mennonite. Yeah. And oh, is that why she needs some tea? And then, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. oh god. Um, but then, yeah. But then we we get this, and then all of a sudden, Priscilla Stoltz is you know clearly it's like oh wait a minute, this is somebody who should have been dead for the past two hundred years. Mm-hmm. And you know Sam and Troy kind of share a look, and then we see Mrs. Stoltz hanging out the window, yeah. and she just disappears. What I love is like uh, so Sam goes and he looks at the binding, pulls back, and it's clearly Mrs. Stoltz. Something that I missed. Thank you, Matt Dale, and in, in his trivia book Beyond the Mirror Image that he points out is that when they cut to her a second time, very, very, very slightly. Carolyn Seymour smiles. Yeah, yeah. She as does. The, as the corpse. And she's like one corner of her lip just curls up. Should, should, I, should I do my little spoiler thing right now? Yeah. All right, so here we go. So I tried to look for so it in right case, now. So in case you are, if you're if you're watching the, the series along with us for the first time and you don't want any spoilers, jump ahead a couple minutes. Exactly. Otherwise, stay on board. You know what we're about to talk about. Exactly. Sorry, Christopher, you're going to get some spoilers here. So here we go. So so Carolyn Seymour appears on the show not once, not twice, but three more times in a trilogy of episodes. It's the Evil Leaper trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those episodes she plays Zoe, mm-hmm. who is basically the Al to the Evil Leaper's 
Sam, if mm-hmm. you will. Uh, so I am cruising the message boards, trying to basically pull some redeeming qualities from this episode, <laughs> you know, read some other thoughts sure. about the episode, try to validate my feelings as well about it being a bad episode, which I was able to, uh, <laughs> but I, but there were some people out there that really liked it as well. Um, and one of the people on a quantum leap message board that I think might have actually been attached to a blog or something. I don't know. Anyways, this is from like 15 years ago, 15, 16 years ago. Somebody wrote this and, uh, I thought, Oh my God, this is great. I am totally going to talk about this. The gist of it being that clearly the producers and writers, this was not their intent, but what if in our little fan world that we've created in our heads, that this is actually the first appearance of the evil leaper. And that, you know, Miss Stoltz, because, again, she locks Sam into the room at one point to try mm-hmm, to prevent to keep her from saving yeah. from Troy. And, uh-huh. like, you know, she's very much acting against Sam the whole time. There's elements of the episode at times where the way the way that Mrs. Stoltz looks at Sam is like she knows it's Sam and not Dr. Mintz. Like, mm-hmm. there's all sorts of things that happen throughout the episode that lead you to think that, like, oh, she is she's on the bad guy's side. Mm-hmm. But then we find out she's supposed to be a ghost. Well, instead of her being a ghost, what if she's the evil leaper? She's there. She's trying to keep Sam from completing his mission. Her disappearing at the end is not actually her vanishing as a ghost, but leaping out. But hmm. and I, as I'm reading this, I'm like, man, I kind of love this. I, I kind of love this theory. <laughs> and even though we don't get any sort of payoff for like yeah. three years afterwards, it's still kind of cool to think that maybe Mrs. Stoltz was was indeed the, the first evil leaper, the evil leaper. So, which makes you think Zoe might have leapt around yeah. before before Aaliyah. Aaliyah. Aaliyah, Aaliyah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So to, to go down a, another thread out there. Up, oh, yeah, over twenty up. years ago, I read a piece of fan fiction online. Speaking of the evil leapers, that took the idea that the last episode of the series mm-hmm. was actually an elaborate trick by the evil leapers. Mm-hmm. To get Sam to drastically change history to separate Sam and Al forever. Interesting. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. I, I don't know if I could find that anywhere out there online right now, but yeah, yeah. I can't. I honestly cannot wait to talk about those episodes in a lot of ways. And and I'm not even going to talk about like oh they're great episodes or anything like that. But there's just something about what they add to the mythology. It's sort of like uh, the X Files in a way because there are a lot of X Files fans out there that'll tell you that the mythology episodes are not as good as the Monster of the Week episodes. Mm-hmm. For the most part, there are some mythology episodes that are incredible, and there are some Monster of the Week episodes that. Are shit. Mm -hmm. But that said, that there are a lot of people that will be like, oh yeah, but, but there's something about those mythology episodes that when you're watching them, you're just like, sure, man, like I am so into this. And so there's something about, I think quantum leap when they do get into some of those episodes, it could kind of be qualified as like mythology, if you will, Mm -hmm. that, that regardless of whether that they're good or not, there's, there's something very attractive about them. So, Mm -hmm. all right. Spoilers over. So there we go. There we go. And so that's the that's the episode. That is the episode. So we covered a lot of stuff. I figured we, we would shoot through the plot of the episode and come back. Uh, Al's outfits in this episode are... <laughs> I love Al's outfits in this episode. His, his first outfit reminded me of... Uh, all right, I'm going to nerd out here for a second. Do it. On the Quantum Leap podcast. <laughs> You're going to so, nerd out. For all of you guys out there who, is, who have ever seen Dragon Ball Z... There is a character named Perfect Cell, right? Al's outfit looked like it was either created from the skin of Perfect Cell or it was created 
for a fashion show by Perfect Sale. <laughs> and yeah. go back and research it. I'm not bullshitting. Put, put them side by side. You'll be like, oh, hell yeah. They're exactly <laughs> the same. Holy shit. If you only had like a like a hat. Like a hat. Like, yeah, I could <laughs> like that. Yeah. Speaking of Al's outfits, we should give a shout out. Uh, he's reached out to us. We haven't reached out to him yet. We need to for an interview. But one of the yeah. primary costume designers for Al on Quantum Leap has, has found oh, us on nice. Twitter. Uh, Jean-Pierre... Dorliac, I hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. Uh, Jean-Pierre Dorliac, but uh, yeah, he's found us on on Twitter. Yeah. And, oh, sorry uh, about the puking forest thing. Oh. <laughs> no, I think I, I I think that he he is probably well aware that these oh, were yeah. loud outfits. Oh know, yeah, yeah, that, absolutely. Yeah. I we we should definitely try to we should, yeah, work we, that we, out because yeah. it would be great. We're to we're just kind of uh, novices as far as the podcasting goes, but I'm sure we could work that. I yeah, I know you've out. seen Dragon Ball Z, Dennis. I have not seen Dragon Ball Z. Oh. I have not. God, I wish I could pull up Perfect Self. I have, I have, I have, a, I have a limited exposure. To be fair, but but I mean, I guess not that limited. I watched it a lot when I was like in high school because you know back in the day, Cartoon Network with like Toonami and all that oh, sort yeah. of stuff. I mean, so you know yeah. it perfectly. You know it so Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, yeah, Al's Al's costumes and Al's uh, belief in ghosts in this episode are, are I think. Um, High marks. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we talked about this before we hit record. I think, uh, why looking back, having watched the entire series, why this episode can seem weaker, is that this becomes a, uh, a formula that they come back to too often throughout the series. Is that Sam leaps oh, into right. a possibly paranormal situation. He tries to find the scientific explanation because he's a scientist. Al, wanting to believe in the paranormal, he always wants to find, he always wants to believe that it is paranormal or ghost or supernatural or whatever. Sam spends the episode proving that there's an explanation. Al's fighting it. Turns out it is a scientific explanation. And then in the last moment, we get some twist that if if it's not the answer to the entire episode, there's still some sort of supernatural twist that there, there, there was a ghost or there was something supernatural involved. Yeah. Yeah, I and, and I think that you know the formulaic nature of the episode is even beyond that is evident by the sort of here's what you have to do, here's your obstacles, here's you know, the, but but again, it feels so formulaic to me that there's just no real human connection. Yeah. You know, even mm-hmm. the scenes between like Sam and Troy and there, again, the first half of the episode falls flat for me completely. There are a couple of scenes later on between the two of them where it starts to work. But by that point, it's hard for me to be as invested as I would be. Had we gotten scenes early on, like thinking about blind faith, for instance, you know, we get scenes almost immediately with him and um, and and then the girl, the his mm-hmm. you know, Rachel, I think. Yeah, I think you're right, Rachel. Yeah, where like immediately there's this real human connection. There's there's something very nice about the relationship between the two of them. There's some very convincing scenes that happen, and, and it happens right away. So I feel invested. This I don't. I, like I feel like it's more just sort of like you should be interested because we're telling you a ghost story, and it's not a good ghost story. Yeah, it's not interested in. You know what else? Yeah, before we hit record, you said you love this episode. (laughs) I didn't say I love this episode. I said I didn't hate this episode, but as a horror movie enthusiast, 
Let me just say that I've seen episodes and movies that are ten times worse than this. <laughs> but I did yes. notice that yes. Troyan always wore white in every single scene. That's a good point. What was that about? Uh, she looks good in white. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I, know I, was gonna say, I feel like Deborah Pratt appears in more episodes, but this is the only time we see actually see her in in episodes. But later on, she does show off as the voice of Ziggy. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I, you know, and, and again, like I, I don't think um, she this... showed up. She showed up as the voice of Ziggy in a fan movie. Back in two thousand nine. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's her. That's her dedication to the to the series. Well, it, it, it was you know uh, honestly, like you mentioned earlier, there's no understating really the impact that she had. Mm-hmm. On I Quantum truly consider her like the co-creator yeah. of the series. Yeah, I, I, and 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 I'm not joking. Like she, I, I genuinely see her as being a, a brilliant contributor to the television show. Um, not necessarily in the role of Troyan, though. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. I, you know, and, and, and who knows? Like, that's the thing. It's always weird. And, and, and I have, and I have absolutely with this episode and other episodes been very critical of some of the actors. Uh, and, and I'm going to just admit right now, right here, that that's unfair. And the reason why I say that is that I firmly believe, uh, having directed and acted myself, that, it's unfair to be too critical of that because you never know what was happening during rehearsal. You never know what was happening behind the scenes. You never know what was happening, you know, on their drive to work that morning. And on one hand, we want to envision this idealized sort of, you know, platform where it's like they're beyond all of that, that you're an actor, you go in and you just do the job. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you what, if you're sitting at your cash register and you had a shitty day, you're probably going to treat the person that's next in line shitty. And sometimes, no matter who you are, as much as you try, as many as there are, you know, there are actors out there that might listen to this or whatever, and there are many that I know and have worked with where it's like, I'm sorry, at the end of the day, it, you know, if you've had a shitty day, you've had a shitty day. I worked with somebody who I loved, I adored, and I remember she came backstage, we were doing a student matinee, and uh, and she's great. I mean, she's performed all over the country, and she comes backstage, and she's like, I can't believe there's little fucking bastards out there. And, like, I'm thinking to myself, they're like 13, you know? <laughs> yeah. Now, now, granted, they were laughing at the Diary of Anne Frank, which is sort of like, my God, they are little bastards. I was but... fucking evil, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, I was, uh, in college, I was in Of Mice and Men. Ah. And I was Lenny. Uh, Dude, you know and... I played George in, like, my first pro game. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah man. So, uh, so we did a student matinee, and they laughed through the entire thing, but then they bawled their eyes out during the last When scene. you got shot? Yeah. 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 I, it's funny. I had a very similar experience, because I did it um, uh, as a run for, like, we did a lot of stud mats for that for that show. And, um, yeah, there were a couple of audiences that were very much just sort of like, oh, did you hear what he said? Or, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, he touched that girl's face? Or, you know, something like that. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get to the last scene, and I pull out the gun, and, like, the entire, like, all the kids are just like, yeah. and then I pull the trigger, and yeah. they're just like, ah! <laughs> just curious, how did you handle the gunshot? Was it was it a sound effect, or was it... No, it was it, practical. It was practical? It was actually the gun. Like, with the way that we did it is that I, I literally, I pulled out the gun, I had it in my hand, you know, had my moment or whatever, pointed at the back of his head, pulled the trigger, and... Blackout. Yeah. yeah, same thing with us. What's interesting is that since he literally 
pulled the gun at the back of my head and it was in the and the sound effect was coming from the gun. Yeah. For that last scene, I put in clear yeah. wax sure. plugs. And so the last scene I had to do practically deaf. Oof. To to take out the sound and then yeah. I stood I guess I stood a little bit away. I don't know. I don't know. He didn't he didn't do that. Uh yeah. Yeah. Last of Mice and Men's story before we get back on track. So when we did it in college, uh my main competition for the role of Lenny was the guy who ended up playing George. <laughs> George and Lenny, if you're not familiar with the story, they are supposed to be very different in size. Yeah. Lenny being much taller. So they ended up taking a pair of my own like work boots. Um, the, the director took them to a, to a cobbler. Yeah. It actually had three-inch lifts wow. put on them. To make me just a little bit taller Man. than than George and everybody else, as I was supposed to be. I so I honestly, <laughs> I showed up to the audition thinking to myself, uh, there I, I, I I'm not going to be George because mm-hmm. at that time I was I probably weighed what I do now, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm like, no, nah, they're not cast me as George at all. But I knew I was shorter than probably some of the potential Lennies, But I but I decided to wear boots. Mm. So I wear boots that gave me probably a good inch, inch and a half lift. Sure. Uh, I showed up and I did the audition and the director actually came to me afterwards and, and uh, I'll never forget this. She was like, she's like, look, you know, you're, you're going to be George. And I was like, what? And she's <laughs> like, yeah. She's like, she's like, but I have to be honest with you, the producer, you know, wants you to lose weight. Are you okay with that? And I was like, yeah, of course mm-hmm. I, I'll do that. Um, and I did, I, I did. I actually dropped like about 30, 40 pounds, nice. like in, in, you know, in a few months time, it was kind of crazy. Uh, but the funny thing is, is that a lot of the other actors that showed up to audition were all tall, you know, and, 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 and like about some of them were about my height or whatever. A couple were maybe shorter than I was. Um, but I just remember seeing all these actors out there and I'm just sort of like, man, whoever plays Lenny is going to have to be huge. Uh, and, and I, I later came to find out that they had looked for two people in particular that they were looking at for Lenny, and one of them was indeed quite a bit taller than I was. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was it was kind of kind of crazy because I went in there thinking like I need to I need to be tall in order to play Lenny because that's the only role I'm going to be good for. And you know, next thing I know, I'm playing George and having to get a personal trainer. But mm, yeah, hey, that's the job. Yeah. So one more. This anyway. crossed my mind because we were talking about in in Catch a Falling Star. We yeah. were talking about uh, 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 the use of blackface in, in in whatever movie it was. Holiday Inn. Holiday Inn. Mm-hmm. What what is the name of the black character in? Of my men. Oh no, I can't. Do, do they literally name. just call him Curly? Curly, yeah, yeah. it's Curly. Uh, curly, yeah. curly, yeah. And so we had no black actors in our in our student body, and so for a time, the no, director, the dire- I know Curly was another character, yeah. Uh, but for a time, the director was literally thinking about putting our actor cast no. as that character in blackface, and then decided Oof. not to do that because that. Quote might be offensive. Oh, oh it that, might that, be. That, that might. And I was uh, this director, beautiful man, a heart of gold. He would never do anything that was that crooks. Was, that, crooks. Yeah. Crooks. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was. He would never do anything that that was intentionally offensive. But we. But they ended up just deciding to pull any any reference to his race. Pull all of those lines oh, out of the play, oh, and, and and yeah, and it's. A, but I feel like the play loses a little something then, because even we we even had to make a couple of cuts because because the end bomb gets dropped a few times yeah. in the show, yeah. and uh, and we didn't want to 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 do that. Um, but the, the amazing thing is, is that I remember the actor that played Crooks was was actually quite 
good. I mean, he, he might have been the best actor of the show, to be honest with you. Uh, but he was he was really great, and uh, there the scenes that we had with him and that Lenny had with him were, yeah, were were solid and just and, and brought about I think all the use of that word and 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 in the context of some of the scenes that would have you know happened. I feel like it was. It didn't matter that we didn't use that word. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and, and in a way, it's sort of like the show was almost better for it. You know. Mm-hmm. And I and I'm one of those people that will say like, if you if, if you're creating a, a scene in an environment and you need to do something or say something or whatever, it's like you should be do us. it, right? Mm-hmm. But the fact that but the fact that I felt like you know this this little production, you know, Indianapolis, we were able to like cut all that shit out and it still kind of came across that 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 racism that you know the way that this character had been beaten down and you know physically the character is for sure yeah, yeah. but but also know. i think there's a thing that um you know, the argument that if if it doesn't fully contribute to the show and if it's not going to be if if it's not the point of the show and if it's not going to be done often enough throughout the show, yeah. there is the point to be made that, especially in live theater, it's different from television or movie. In live theater, the first time that word said, yeah, it's going to take it's going to take you out of the moment. Absolutely, like yeah. like like you're you're going to stop like being enveloped in the story, and you're going to be like, oh, this is a play, and this, this production they made the choice to keep that word in the play. Absolutely, and unless it's important. Important enough, or you're going to do it often enough that the audience can get over that weirdness and get right. back into the story. Sure, it's not worth it. Yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, I would completely agree with that. It is different. It's like, um, you know, it's, um, it's that, it's that interesting sort of thing that you have with being there. You know, the audience is right there in front of you, and and and, and they're all experiencing this in real time. Uh, and to hear that, to hear any any kind of offensive word or offensive term, you, you know, even even like depending on, on the the language that is used, whether it's you know an offensive word or just fuck or whatever, it can absolutely depends, depends on the context. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It can definitely take you out of it. It's like Tracy Letts, you know, when when he won the Tony Award for um, uh, Virginia Woolf, and he was just like the difference is we get to say it to their face and it's absolutely true it's like you know when you're in live theater and you're saying it to somebody's face it lands very differently than yeah. if you're watching a TV show or watching a movie and even watching Quantum Leap you know where they use some of these words and you're watching it it does it lands differently than if you were sitting in a theater watching that scene you know in, in like Color of Truth or, yeah but even know, still like the, uh, there, there, there's an episode coming up and I think we've talked about it there's an episode coming up in the fifth season where that word is dropped mm-hmm. and race has nothing to do with the overall plot of that episode there's just one character who is black and one character who doesn't like black people and like I said, nothing to do with the overall plot of the episode, but the word gets dropped, and like in that case, I'm like, no, yeah, there was there was no, no yeah. there was no need to use the word because you just totally you know, took me out of the show. I, I actually, I actually, looking a little bit even closer to, to where we are, there are uh, there are um, there, I mean, there are multiple episodes where Sam leaps into a black man, mm-hmm. and I think that one of the things that I'm looking forward to is there is a specific episode which is a part of a one of the most brilliant moments sure. of the yeah. entire series where he leaps into a black man and the fact that he's black is not even addressed That's and it's awesome. fucking beautiful yeah, yeah. Awesome. it is it really is like I like that to me it's like oh great like that's that's awesome you're not mm-hmm. trying to like use this as it's just sort of like no it's just you know mm-hmm. 
Whatever. It's just part of the episode. Yeah. Ah, man. All right, so here we are. We've we've embellished a bit with discussion about other other stuff. So things. yeah, I, I'm looking through my notes here to uh, think. If you're still sticking around, and listening to <laughs> thank you. You are the true fans. You really, you really uh, are. You're not, the ones that yes. keep us going. Oh, yes. actually, speaking of true fans, Dennis, we did indeed. We we reached out to our audience and asked for some comments about the episode. Episode, yeah. And we we got some. We got some. So yeah, Dennis, let's, if you will, uh, why don't you? Uh, uh, yeah, let's talk. Let's a little bit, maybe we can respond. Uh, Larry, I am so. If I butcher your last name, Trujillo. Trujillo. Uh, he he loved this episode. I mean, because it, it it's basically it was a family affair. Uh, okay. Deborah Pratt. Yeah. Don Miller played the mirror image. Troyan. Right. Uh, he right. he even tagged her in the in the in the post. Uh, so Larry, here's what I want to say. I want to say <laughs> that I absolutely get where you're coming from because there is something very cool about seeing, you know, Don Belisario, about seeing Deborah Pratt, about, you know, the Troyan and, and that being their daughter's name. Like, I get that. I really, really do. But, man. That's it. It should have been, should have been more. <laughs> man. Uh, but, but thank you. But seriously, thank you very yeah. much, Larry. We really appreciate uh, the, the comments. Yeah. Uh, and Rosen von der Bolomide, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. She's the one we mentioned earlier yeah. that, uh, uh, you know, why, why did Jimmy just not kill her? Right. Like, if he's brave enough to just come right out and say all that stuff, yeah. just just kill her. And especially with, you know, old woman ghost stults hanging around. For like sure, yeah. Slip a little poison in her tea, you know. Yeah, it, was like, yeah. it was the maid that did it. What maid? Oh! I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, he also he also said he thought that, that uh, Deborah Pratt looked a little bit too old for the role. Oh, interesting. I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. Like, she seemed like... I, I, I like that it wasn't like a young ingenue. Yeah. No, Although I, it, I still thought she was... Yeah. You know, it's... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I didn't necessarily have any issues with, with that. I, I think... The, it's just... It's weird because, again, I feel like she contributed so much to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm so grateful that she was a part of the show because she's responsible for writing some of the best episodes and I think helped to really craft Sam into the... You know, and I mean this in the positive way, not the negative way, because there is a negative way. As liberal as I am, there is a negative connotation to social justice warrior. There is. Yeah, there, there is. absolutely is. I feel like there's also a positive one, and I feel like she was able to help craft Sam into sort of the positive version sure. of that. Yeah. Um, she was 38, 38 when they filmed the episode. She's also from wow. Chicago. Did we know she was from Chicago? Yeah, she's from. Yeah, she. I think she. I, I don't know if she still lives here now, but at one point she was. Man, living here. I saw her perform in a live lit show a few years ago, like back in 2011, 2000, and. Twelve, Deborah. Let's have you on the show. I know yes. you're listening right now. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, so uh, one other comment over on Instagram, uh, Larry Ganny, he pointed out that at one point Mrs. Stoltz uses the term like "red up." Oh. Uh, which is to red up. It's a very Western Pennsylvania, like Pittsburgh kind of thing, which is where Don Belisario mm-hmm. is from, like to clean up, to tidy up. Interesting. Uh, so that's, it's, it was a very specific kind of regional reference uh, because this episode does take place in that uh, yeah. in that area. Well, be or no, no, not in that area. area. No, uh, not in that area. Miss Stoltz is from it's Pennsylvania. From, it's where it's from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, 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 obviously they're in California, California, hence, right. hence the earthquake. The earthquake, ah. exactly, exactly. 
Well, you know what? Thank you so much for all the the, uh, the, the comments, and uh, we look forward to more. And uh, feel free to just ask questions that don't even have to do with the specific episode that we're, we're yeah. on about. Oh, yeah. Um, Larry also pointed out that we, we have an upcoming episode that points out that uh, Quantum Leap did uh, predict that... At one point in Super Bowl Thirty, yeah, not only that the Steelers would be playing in Super Bowl Thirty, but would be ahead but at would, halftime. Would, would be no, no would, down at halftime. Would, would be me. down by yeah. three. Yeah, and at one po- and at one point, in, and that was like five years before Super Bowl Thirty actually aired. Yeah, and then it turns out the Steelers were in Super Bowl Thirty, and at one point in the game, the Steelers were down by three. Take it on the oh. Cowboys. I remember watching that game. I remember watching that game, and I and, I, and the funny thing is, is I specifically remember. Yeah. Making that connection, and, and and the thing that I commented back to Larry is that uh, I came to Quantum Leap late as a kid, so I didn't realize that Al's present was the quote the future. Yeah. It was a few years in the future, so that was like that line was like, oh, oh, Al is not in our present; he's slightly right. Well, and the, the interesting future. thing is, and something that we'll talk about, I think, a little bit more even later, especially when we get into like third, fourth season, um, is is when Al's future is, and Sam's future for that matter, when they're present. It's our future, their present, uh, not our future anymore. It would be our past, or would it? It's become a period. Oh, yeah, but, but, my head. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, because it is. I think it, it's in flux. It's in flux a little bit. You know, it's at times it's like, oh wait, is this 1995? You know, which would have been like six or seven years in the future of the TV show. Or no, no, they're in 1999. No, they're in. You know, so it's interesting to kind of to think about that. The writers weren't consistent. No, they were. They were, which makes you wonder, like, also, I mean, the, the thing is, being a time travel show, did things that they, you know, that Sam did have an effect That's what I was going to say. They, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Ah, we'll get into all of that. Yeah. All right. Well, we've overstayed our welcome this week. I really genuinely feel that way, but I appreciate yeah. y'all hanging out with us. We've Thank talked you, about we, a lot. Yeah, we, we should point out, I think this is the first time in the series that we get a, uh, a leap out that we leap into a rerun. Yeah. Kamikaze Kid. Yeah, because he leaves in the Kamikaze Kid. That's a, that's a first season. They confused the hell out of me. I'm yeah. Like, and the thing is, is it the, the, the beauty of, like, when you watch the TV show in reruns, they would actually take the time to edit it out to, like, wherever he was leaving yeah. next. They would edit that. They would edit that in. Uh, when they did the Blu-ray dump or, or even online when they dumped the episodes... As it as it aired, like that's what you right. Mean. It was as it aired exactly. So it's not the, the the funny thing is is that a lot of television shows when they've when they've transferred to DVD or Blu-ray, they've taken liberties and kind of fixed certain things here or there. Mm-hmm. Um, not all, but but some have, have have definitely taken a couple of liberties and sort of fixed like those those continuities or even rearranged episodes to fall into production order as opposed to air date order or whatnot. Um, but yeah, the interesting thing about the Quantum Leap Blu-rays is that they are. Legit, the as aired episode, as opposed to you know, fixing it. We yeah. can fix this and say that he leaps into animal frat next. Yes, but no. But next week we are covering animal frat. Indeed, which I am very fond of this episode. Actually, it's been a long time since I've seen it. I remember. I remember the broad strokes of the episode. It's going to be interesting to go back and rewatch. Yeah, it, it will be. It will be. Did you guys know I'm, for, I'm a fraternity guy. What? Yeah. Christopher, what fraternity were you a part of? No, sir. You have a tattoo? Yes, I do have a tattoo. I didn't know you even had a tattoo. Yeah, it's, it's in there. Somewhere. I see it. Yeah. I see it. Oh, man. How about that? Where'd you go to school? 
And Marion they, University? I don't, Marion University in Indiana? No. Oh, okay. Wisconsin. That's it. All right. Because there was a Marion University yes, in there Indiana. Was. <laughs> yes, there was. They get confused all the time, yeah. which is why when you said it, I was like, no. Our Shakespeare in the Park, we used to uh, rehearse there. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We performed a White River, but we rehearsed it. Yeah. Nice. Interesting. No, that's cool. Right on. Yeah. So that means you're going to join us on Sunday. Then. If you want. I, I don't see why we wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> if we're being honest, like for sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'm going for the title, brother. I, hey, man. This is going down. <laughs> <laughs> Just cut a promo on my wife. I don't know how I feel yeah. Bad. Yeah. You know, like she's got a leg drop the shit out of. <laughs> Speaking of family, let's just take a moment to reflect on the fact that uh, Dennis's son Harrison has reached a year. He is a year old, as yeah. of, uh, a little over a week ago. We had his one year old. Just adorable. He is adorable. We he had his one year old. We had his one year old birthday party this afternoon. So good times. Now, so. when you say happy birthday to him, because I've noticed with one year olds, they react one of two ways. <laughs> <laughs> Either they're elated or creep the fuck out. Uh, I think he uh, neither. He was just like really? he was just like oh, all of this like all of this attention is for me. Yeah. Like I, I, I really don't think up until that point he realized that that this party was for him. The because uh, he, 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 he yeah home though yeah because right? because he was uh, he was kind of grumpy because he was kind of asleep. He didn't get his morning nap, and so he was just kind of like eh, whatever. And then but then we were like put the cake in front of him and lit the candle, and everybody started singing happy birthday. He he was just like yeah. Not even, not even elated. He was just like, oh, all of this attention is on me. What's up? Oh, so it is. Yeah. Like, when I went to my niece's one-year-old, she looked around as we started singing "Happy Birthday," and the look on her face was like, "Am I going to be ritualistically sacrificed?" <laughs> yeah. And then she just bust out with the worst tears. Is this oh, one of Uncle Chris's horror movies? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's oh, a but yeah. I, I just wanted to be like, it's gonna be okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and so and so to bring it around and close out the last the the episode the the, the last tidbit I will say yeah is uh, to, to an earlier reference is that uh, for our baby shower one of our friends got him a onesie that says I'm what happened in Vegas hey. and that is true. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was. Uh, our, thank you, ladies. Uh, yeah, thank you, thank you for coming out. <laughs> we are Fate's Wide Wheel. Find us on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Fate's Wide, Wide Wheel, uh, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next week, I'm Dennis. I'm Sam. I'm Chris. Thank you so very much. Thanks. We appreciate it. If you followed us all the way to the end, you get an extra special prize in saying that next week when we talk about Animal Frat. There might even be some tears involved because it's an emotional episode. I'm just saying. Have a great week. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed what you've heard or have any questions or comments, don't be shy. Reach out to us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Fates Wide Wheel. And remember to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you may be listening. Until next time.
Can't see you'll never 